So, evening guys, and welcome to episode 10 of the Purple Sector podcast, and thank you very much for all your support for all the past podcasts we've done. They've been very well received. Today, we host a Pompey striker in the fabulous season of 2003, the record-breaking season. He moved to Pompey from Juventus. He scored 10 goals as a striker during that year. He was the third highest goal scorer behind Todorov and Paul Merson. Of course, I'm talking about Mr. Vincent Pericard. Vincent, how are you? Hi, Kieran. I'm, I'm very well, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. No, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. How's life treating you? Um, what are you up to these days? Yeah, life's treating me rather well. Um, I feel I'm extremely lucky and privileged to be in full-time work at the moment, and I fully sympathize with everyone that's um, you know, potentially um, yep. facing some challenges, financial challenge, uh, either because they lost their job or because they've been made furlough or any other circumstances uh, for me at the moment. I'm currently working in for BT. Yes. Uh, obviously, I work from home um, as a project manager. So in that aspect, I'm fine. But I'm still finding it challenging. You know, as we were talking earlier, you don't know which day of the week it is anymore. And obviously, I'm missing to see, I'm missing uh, seeing my family, friends, daughter, etc. So, yeah, it's not easy, but I'm trying to uh, keep a positive outlook, uh, knowing this will be all over soon. Well, that's all we can all do, to be to be quite honest. Everybody's got their own uh, challenges, of course, and uh, we can only wait for the time that we're allowed to see family again in the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I sense it's getting closer, but um, let's hope so. Okay, yeah. let's go to your time at, um, as, as a footballer. Now, um, the beginning of the 2002-2003 season, you were at uh, mm-hmm. Juventus, and uh, they say that everything in life happens for a reason. Describe the story of how you had to leave Juventus and, and why Portsmouth as well. Yeah, it's never been so true that everything happened for a reason. Um, when you apply um, inside, then yes, this is you know when you realise that one action, one decision has got implications and would lead you to different paths in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said earlier, yes, uh, you know I, I was completing my second year at Juventus. Mm-hmm. Had an amazing time, you know, just signing my first big professional contract coming from France. Yeah. You know, on, on, only 18, living the dream, arriving at Torino, Juventus of Turin, and from day one, training straight away, we were like Zinedine Zidane, Edgar David, um, um, Del Piero, all those, you know, world-known players. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I joined Juventus as a first-team player, but because I was still young, I was still spending a lot of time in reserve, and in my first year, I the reserve and also playing first uh, Premier uh, with a first team. I finished top player with a reserve team, mm-hmm. and then the second year was really you know the step up for me. You know I've, I've, I've settled in Italy now. I never wear football. I've got stronger, more confident. I was a more integral part of the of the first team. Mm-hmm. So you know the first half of the season went well, and you know the second half was going extremely well. You know, playing Champions League game, you know, getting my name in the newspaper, you know, really feeling confident in training, uh, you know, even against the lack of Lillian Churam, those big names. Was, you know, you, you wouldn't see me, you wouldn't recognize me as just a young player. However, um, yeah, and, and, you know, those weird moments in life which change everything is toward the end of the season, um, I think it was just like now, like looking outside, beautiful weather. 
very nice, very warm. And if you can picture yourself in Italy, you know, just everyone's so happy. Yeah. The music outside. You know, yeah, it's an evening. Let's go and have a drink. Let's just celebrate being successful, young, and everything. So I was at my house with two of other French players, similar yeah. situation as me, just came from different clubs. And we're just chilling at home and say, oh, why don't we just go have a drink tonight? You know, just normal, no, uh, no yeah. agenda, no, nothing specific. And we had the idea to invite an um, Italian teacher that's been teaching us to speak Italian. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously the club hired her to provide those uh, those, those English sessions and you know we had no intention of doing anything so we just say well I personally took my phone out text her and say hey I don't remember her name and uh, I said to her do you fancy joining me and my two friends for a drink mm-hmm. and like I said um, previously there was no agenda there was no purpose it was purely a friendly mm-hmm. um, text um, because we saw her as a, at a level young and you know yeah. nothing special but what we didn't know, um, and where we very soon were to find out, was that at that moment I sent the text, she was actually in bed with one of the Juventus directors. <laughs> so, literally 10 minutes after I sent the text, um, I get a phone call on my phone, and it was that person, and say, who do you think you are? Excuse the swearing, actually said, who do you think F? Using the F word, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Drift, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't have time to give an explanation. He said, you're free in my office tomorrow morning. And we all look at each other, pause, and we're like, what just happened? What did we do? Um, so, yeah, we were very, very shocked to, to mm-hmm. why we were called in the office and why that person in particular was calling me back. And like I said, it turned out that women that was giving us a session um, was not a girlfriend, not a wife, but the mistress of a director. <laughs> but as you probably know, you don't want to mess with Italian men and their women. You know, you'd never know <laughs> the mafia might not be knocking on your door. But yeah, all of three in the morning, we were in his office and he said, Vincent, you're going to Postmos and my daughter, your friend, you're going there and there. And there was no um, room for discussions or any interpretation or negotiations. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that, that's how a very, very simple event, a very naive text, um, literally changed the course of my career. Absolutely, absolutely. So Portsmouth it was. Um, and I mean, having been born in Cameroon, grown up in France and then gone to Italy, I mean, did you initially struggle uh, with the language and the culture? It was a very culture shock for you, I guess. Yes, yeah, especially in England, because I think um, the first time I moved to Italy from France, I was young, naive, excited, full of life and eager to explore and to learn. So I used all that energy to just absorb Italian language and culture very, very quickly. But I didn't expect to be literally moving to a different country just two years after as of when I was doing well, you know, I was, you know, hoping for a future there in the first team. People were getting to know me. I was with you. I just wasn't mentally prepared to come to England and having to adapt uh, to a new culture, to learning a new language, um, learning a new style of football uh, uh, within a country that, you know, I never, ever mm-hmm. considered before. Obviously, 
um, while growing up. And you have a lack of Chelsea, Manchester United, you know, being massive club. But at that time, it was more like dominated by the Spanish and the Italian football. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't mentally prepared to come to England. So yes, mm-hmm. it was a big struggle for me to be transferred yes. to, it, uh, to, uh, to, to Postmos when, you know, at, at that time, it wasn't something I had planned. Yeah, it was just sprung on you, wasn't it? Just, I suppose, very, very suddenly. But um, Harry Redknapp, he was the manager, obviously, at the time mm-hmm. uh, during mm-hmm. that season. He, he, he bought in a lot of players. I mean, it's almost gone down in folklore now. <laughs> These days, he's carving out a, a prolific celebrity career, isn't he? Uh, I'm a celebrity, Harry's Heroes, uh, the Sandbanks yeah. programme. Uh, yeah. What were your first impressions of, of Harry Redknapp and, and what was he like to play for? So my first impression of Redknapp well, is actually... It was very hard for me to, to form an accurate first impression because mm-hmm. I was dealing with a lot of personal things, as I said mm-hmm. earlier, having to learn a new language, having to learn a new culture. But what I struggled the most, and I, and, and I remember there was a multiple, was to add that to English football. And, and that, that took such a toll on me that in the first two, three weeks, or maybe months, I just couldn't play football. My mm-hmm. first touch was terrible. My my uh, my striking was terrible, and even Harry Redknapp one day said, "I don't think a player player can play football." And I don't blame him because literally I couldn't play football. I just don't know what uh-huh. happened. Only now I realized because I was you know struggling with everything else that was going on yeah. that I didn't have a, the space in my head to actually focus and let my talents uh, shine. And 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 that wasn't even to be argued because I just come from Juventus and I did a turbulent season. So it's not like overnight I became a bad player. Yeah. So, but at, at that time, I couldn't think about that. However, um, he was patient with me. And, and as you all know, on my first game, uh, I scored. And for yes. a striker, this is absolutely critical. And that's what really kind of, you know, shoot up my confidence straight away. Obviously, the fun then, you know, um, uh, feeling, you know, welcome and, and yes. have a fun. And the teammates really gave me that confidence. And as Harry, you know, was saying that my, uh, the player he took a gamble on from Juventus was paying off, yes. he became a lot more relaxed. And this is at the time where I, I managed to form a, an opinion about him. And I have to say now, he is a fantastic manager because I am the type of person that I need to feel trusted i need to be empowered to make my own decision in yeah. order to perform my best and that's basically what harry Renard did to me and to everyone else he fully mm-hmm. trusted us like is uh, i think what is known for is, is people management skills and something i will never forget he will say vincent i don't care what you do monday to friday as long as saturday you perform mm-hmm. and that's really did it for me because you know i, I felt trusted i felt empowered i felt like you know he trusts the player that he got from Juventus to deliver for him. And that's what happened. So after that, you know, I've, I've always developed the most respect for him. Mm-hmm. Even when he, he, he potentially had the opportunity to become an English manager of the England team. Yeah. He would have been a great person. He would have done a great job. Yes. I'm a big fan of Harry Redknapp. Um, even though he's got his critique, but personally having experienced him as a manager, seeing him um, firsthand and spend time with him, he's a, an amazing person. No, it's absolutely fascinating hear, hearing those stories because, of course, um, we, we had Paul Merson in Portsmouth um, um, last yeah. uh, 
last year and uh, yeah, he, he was describing how Harry got him to leave Aston Villa for, uh, for, for, for Pompey and he's, he, mm-hmm. he's certainly one in a million, certainly. But um, I mean, in terms of your early days at the club, um, which players did you become friendly with in those early days to help you settle? Uh, well, everyone in the team was amazingly very friendly and made me feel welcome and, and actually that, that, that's Probably the all, well, all the club I played after, they were welcome. But you know, for me, not knowing the English culture and being foreign and French, I would expect it. You know, uh, we were at the joke that English people don't really like French people. I would have got some, you know, some some banter in a negative way. But no, um, so I think uh, people that really stuck out of me in terms of who were my friends when I joined. Uh, I would have said uh, Matthew Taylor was a great friend, you know, mm-hmm. made me feel welcome very, very quickly. He's someone very, you know, just quite, he loves cracking jokes. He loves, you know, being sociable with everyone, so that helped. Um, obviously, Paul Merson, he was more like, I wouldn't say father figure, but, you yes. know, he command that level of respect from what he has achieved. And obviously, at that age, the thing he was still about to do was absolutely amazing. So, you know, having someone to look up to from the beginning and, you know, making you welcome and, yes. you know, setting you up in a way that's going to make you successful. You know, definitely something I didn't forget. Um, who else? Um, Limbaugh Premiers as well. A, yes. a, a great person, a strong character within the dressing room. Um, he had his difficulty at the beginning as well, but, you know, the way he persevered and trust himself, mm-hmm. but also look after myself and other people, um, um, really had to to make me feel welcome oh fantastic fantastic so um you were in amongst the goals in mm-hmm. october and november um against crystal palace though um i mean the team was flying um one three two away from home but um you had your first setback with injury and you were back uh, you were out for three weeks and then back mm-hmm. against millwall um i think you were out for sort of two or three periods during that season with with various injuries but mm-hmm. With the team flying around you, did you find yourself over eager to get back in? I mean, did you were you really free of injury, or or did you still at times have nagging doubts that you were still carrying that injury and came back a little bit too soon? Um, I think I think you nailed it down here. I've, I've never been free of injury from that time. It's mm. because yes, I was too eager to get back, but also I was very naive and inexperienced in terms yeah. of how to manage injury. Um, because at that time it was my first injury ever. I never had an injury before, not when I was, uh, you know, learning to play football in France. Never had an injury um, mm-hmm. at Juventus. So this one was my first injury. So I thought, okay, so you know, if I just take two weeks of rest and doing some light rehabilitation, I'll be fine. But it turns out it wasn't fine at all because the injury kept recurring. I kept breaking down. Yeah, and for me, it was highly frustrating because, again, um, my body, my mind knew I could do so much better. I could, I could run faster. I could be stronger in my tackle, my jumping. I could be more aggressive, mm. but my body just wasn't ready for that. So that dissociation between my mind and my body, it's something that I, at that time I wish I had knew, you know, that would have allowed me to take more time, but because I didn't, Every time I tried to come back, every time I tried to prove to the fan that, you know, you know, you didn't waste your time on me and I'm here and I'm going to succeed, mm-hmm. then my body would just let me down. And it just kept repeating, repeating eventually to the point where obviously 
and just don't believe a fan and the club lost trust in me and my ability to add value to a team. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, that's um, that's obviously food food for thought there. But um, I mean, there were still some euphoric highs uh, during that year, of course. Um, I mean, you came to December, you came back on Boxing Day, I think. And now I was in the crowd, actually, that day. And I remember, uh, to this day, the reception you got when you came back onto the pitch after a month out on uh, Boxing Day. I mean, what did that feel like, knowing the Fratton fans had accepted you back again and not forgotten you after a month out? Oh, it, it felt amazing just to hear a fan chanting your name and mm. welcome you back. And you, you get that feeling that, you know, they've been missing you. And for any player or just any human being, we long for that feeling of being wanted and being valued. So for me, it was incredible. And it was a, a, a very good reminder of my ability. You know, it was mm. a reminder of why I'm in Postman's, why they chose me why they had faith in me because you could easily forget that you know you got all that talent because you're drawn to, uh, within all those negative articles or negative feedback or negative events uh, but you know when the fans behave that way just remind you that there's hope there's opportunity and and i should be fighting on i should be you know keep building myself and try to do everything i can to repay back the faith and, and, and the belief they have in me. Well, I would argue that you did that almost uh, on its own in the next game because um, very early January, it was Man United mm-hmm. at Old Trafford. Third round mm-hmm. of the FA Cup, 67,000 people in the crowd and you gave a man of the match performance. You came on in the second half replacing uh, Paul Merson, I think, at halftime mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you were voted man of the match. Now, two parts to this. Did you and the team prepare any differently for this match? And did you personally really feel like you belonged against the likes of Man United where you stood out so well? So to answer your first question, I, we didn't um, prepare in any different ways. We did the usual training. Also, we knew it was Man United. You know, also we knew we were going to be up against the like of David Beckham and those amazing players. But we were you know, very confident already at that stage because we're having yeah. incredible seasons. We we knew we had an incredible team where we all knew each other. We knew, we knew strength and unity. And we had some key players such as uh, Paul Merson in the middle yeah. doing his magic. So we went there full of confidence knowing that, yeah, we might be vulnerable, but we had nothing to lose. So that was great. So for me, um, personally, um, I'm, uh, being in a, on the bench for the first half, was frustrating, but at the same time, it was just mesmerizing to be able to, you know, just be sat in Old Trafford playing against Manchester United. Yeah. And watching the like David Beckham swing it like he does, it was <laughs> amazing. But at the same time, I could feel within, you know, deep inside me, in my instinct, that I've got something to bring into that game. Yeah. Because that's, that's a level out that I'm used to, that's a level out, you know, that's. That's why I was in Juventus. So I, I was yeah. very eager to go there and to show what I can do. And when I got my opportunity in the second half, exactly as I said, I felt right where I belong, at that level of quality with players that are extremely clever, that are extremely fit, extremely, you know, strategically tactical. I had no problem whatsoever. That's really when I struggle the most is, you know, when... Um, it's with lesser quality player because they are being predictable. Whereas Premier League player, the top player, they are more predictable because they've been taught 
football in a very strategic and tactical way where, you know, when you start on the left, then you have to change it to the right and then play on the court. It's just no. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so I think I felt great in that game because mm-hmm. suddenly I had a massive boost of confidence. And, and again, I said earlier, my talent shined through. And unfortunately, I wish that happened more often, but unfortunately, due to injury, I'd never been able to repeat that on a consistent level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But no, I mean, that, that game certainly did show it. I mean, uh, it was a 4-1 defeat, actually, but that really did flatter Man United. Pom- Pompey as a team really did give such a fantastic mm-hmm. account of themselves. And actually, at 2-1 down, I remember Nigel Kwaji going through <laughs> one-on-one with the goalkeeper. Who doesn't remember yeah. that? Now, <laughs> six games to go. Um, it's Sheffield Wednesday at home. And yeah. one win from sealing promotion. Now, mm-hmm. were there any extra nerves in the team pre-match to this one? Or was it just a case? It was just, just another game. Just another day at the office. <sighs> exactly as you said. It was another day in the office. Because at that time, we had so much confidence within us. And, and again, we, we, we were working as a team. Like, we were friends. We were we trusted each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we we will run the extra mile. We will do the extra tackle for one another. You know, at that point when you can feel a team are fully gelled, they're yeah. highly competitive, and that's where we were. So for us at that point, it just became as a routine game. We knew what we had to do. We knew what kind of attitude we had to working with on a pitch, and most of the time we knew the outcome is that we were going to win because we had such much confidence in ourselves. Yeah. And in one another, that it was going to happen. So obviously, to end up uh, the season in such a way was uh, an amazing confirmation for myself, for the team, for the fan. And yeah, it's definitely one of one of the most fonding memory in my football career. Well, in the Sheffield Wednesday game, I mean, Lee Bradbury made it one nil, um, and then I remember being in the crowd at the Fratton end, and the stadium PA, with ten minutes to go, said, "Don't invade the pitch." <laughs> about a kiss of death on that one because uh, then Sheffield Wednesday came back with two goals and the promotion party was put on ice uh, for another week but then um, a few days later it was Burnley you came mm-hmm. on after 70 minutes and your pass led to um, Todorov breaking finally the deadlock fans on the pitch at the end did you get caught in the wave of emotion or did you just want to get off the pitch? If I remember back again to, from my perspective you know, that was my first year um, in England. I didn't fully grasp, so I wasn't fully emerged in a way that the way English people love football. Mm-hmm. If, you know, I would have grew up in England and developed or gone through the rank, then I would have fully appreciated what it means. And then I would have probably, you know, lost my mind on, on, on that final whistle and mm-hmm. took my shot off and God knows what. But obviously, I was extremely happy to, uh, to, 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 to finally get that you know, confirmation that we, would, we are going up and I could feel the energy within the club, within the stadium, you know, and, and the joy and way meant for people. So uh, the last things I was thinking is to leave a bit. I just wanted to be there and share the, the joy and the happiness with the fan and everyone else on the pitch. So, you know, that's, that's, those are the counts. Uh, one of the lifetime moments that you have in life yes. and, and I didn't want to you know I wanted to fully enjoy it and I, I remember very well I did because after that we when we went to Jesse's room we just you know popping the champagne and jumping <laughs> around and then when we came back on the pitch you know just the nose and jumping around it was just amazing 
Oh, fantastic. No, I remember being there, certainly, especially when the uh, champion's banner and the trophy came out and uh, the euphoria of the moment. It was important just to drink that in. I mean, Pompey fans as well as you, I mean, I've uh, been starved of it for quite a few years. So uh, what an amazing dream that was. So the season ended, Absolutely. I mean, it was 98 points in the end. Um, 97 goals scored, 29 wins. Um, so they're all records. But um, you had 10 goals. Um, mm-hmm. You were third only behind Todd Off, who got 26. Mm-hmm. Paul Merson, who got 12. Now, how do you reflect on that season? You, you were 20 at the time. Is that mm-hmm. still the best year of your footballing life? Well, yes, it was the best year in terms of performance, in terms of um, goal scored, in terms of you know, my um, number of games played. Um, and in a way, um, that's where I get sad about it because I'm only 20. And you know that should have just been the start of a brilliant career for me. Yeah. Uh, but because what we discussed earlier, injury, um, you know, uh, changed the course of my career, um, which means that Portsmouth still remains to this day uh, my 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 best uh, time in in my career in terms of performance and goals. However, you know, um, it, it was still great. This is where I started feeling like like an adult. Was in Juventus, I was you know. Part of the first team, I still feel like you know I was the young player having to prove myself, but having to post, uh, coming to Portsmouth Football Club, I felt like in, in integral first team player uh, like an adult, and this is where you know, I saw myself develop, becoming stronger, more wiser, and really getting the experience that's going to take me to that next level and establish myself as a full and respected for a Premiership player. Um, but again, if I had to look at the positive side. Um, 10 goals um, when I was 20, playing most of the game and winning the championship. I think it was a, a, a very, very good first season in England, in a new country. No, it was it, it, it was a decent season, certainly. And, um, you know, one that you yourself can be very proud of. And, and of course, the whole team. Um, and, 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 and what a year it was. But bearing that in mind, how hard was it to be forced to retire at the age of 29, just nine years later? It was extremely hard, and this is a very quick question, and it, it wasn't a decision I took lightly um, because I was only 29, and I should have been at the peak of my career. You know, not many people will make the choice to suddenly retire when things going well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it took me a few months to fully assess where I am, fully assess w- what are my capabilities, and, and, and make a decision. Uh, but the fact where that physically I wasn't the player I was anymore, just too many injuries, uh, my mental health wasn't in a place where you know I was strong enough to to go through such a such a hard time. Yeah. So uh, inevitably came to the conclusion it's time for me to retire. And whilst it was an extremely hard decision, as soon as I made that decision, I felt like a massive release, uh, a big weight off my shoulder. Because then all the pressure that was that came with the expectation of football, financial, etc., suddenly just gone. You know yeah. that that feeling of letting go of something that you know you can't attend anymore really um, was the right decision. Um, looking back now, I had to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Um, we're going to wrap this up very, very soon. Um, but um, in terms of what you've done since, I mean, you, you, you touched upon mental health, and, and never has that been more important. Yeah these times uh, but describe what you did at uh, Portsmouth University in terms of developing the app and, 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 and helping people out um, what, what happened there 
Hello, Vincent. We seem to have lost Vincent Pericard. We seem to have lost him. Unfortunately, that has frozen up. So we'll wait for it to come back a little moment. We'll wait for it to come back a little moment. But um, as you can tell, I think uh, our screens have frozen up. So that will be a, a slightly premature end to the interview tonight. But um, I thank Vincent Pericard very much for his honesty and um, an absolutely superb, uh, candid version of events. Um, we're going to do some events in Portsmouth very, very soon when this lockdown finishes, certainly. And uh, we look forward to welcoming all of you there. But until then, Vincent Pericard and everybody who's listening, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.